Hi, this is the Robberator, and you can support my mad grab for power and the Sword and Laser podcast by going to patreon.com slash sword and laser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And we have a winner. I didn't put this in the lineup, but oh uh, snap! Yeah, March put that in the Madness is over, and uh, Max Gladstone and Amal El Matars. This is how you lose the time war. Uh, survive to the end. Do you think they went back and changed time in Damn order it, to get other did. people to vote? I hadn't realized that. Of course they did. That's a good tweet that we should send to yeah. the authors. They they obviously know how to hire agents to go back in time and fix this tournament in their favor. It's the mm-hmm. only explanation, other than the fact that it's a really awesome book. So thank you to everyone who participated in this year's March Madness. Thank you, as always, to Rob for doing our roll-ups on votes and for kicking the whole thing off, as always. He's the best. Um, this is like one of my favorite times of year. I, I think it's a really fun thing that we do and that per- people participate in. So yay. Also, super interesting that we're doing another time travel book back to back. You know, time travel is a hot genre right now. Because we all want to go either to the far future where things are fixed or back into the past. Right, right. That and also my book's out and it's about time travel. Awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that awkward? Because I for- I didn't know that. Oh. I forgot that because I didn't pick up what you were throwing down. I don't know. Oh, no, that's not. I didn't even I didn't even pick up that you would feel awkward. I thought you were saying it was awkward that my book was also about time travel. Yes. I mean, that's How definitely awkward, what Tom. I meant. Gosh, you're no Max Gladstone or Amal El Matar. Why do you think you deserve to write about time travel? Oh, my goodness gracious. Um, we skipped over an entire section, which is what are we drinking? Oh, uh, no, we just haven't got there yet. <laughs> Tom, are you, are you imbibing anything? I'm not. I'm doing this whole thing wrong. I'm like really busy. <laughs> I'm, that sounds I'm going right outside, to me. <laughs> like, mm. not responsibly, mm-hmm. uh, and, I, and I'm not drinking. Uh, or playing Animal Crossing. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not drinking. What are you drinking? I I got a um, <laughs> I got a cocktail delivery nice. tonight. Uh, a lot of the bars and restaurants in San Francisco are doing uh, obviously food delivery mm-hmm. more so than normal, but also uh, the like the the Bureau of Alcohol and whatever. I don't think it's alcohol and firearms in California. I don't know. Probably not San Francisco. Whoever gives the alcohol licenses and writes all the rules, that group, uh, uh-huh. they they loosened their restrictions on what bars and restaurants could do to enable them to do takeout cocktails. So not just like delivery, like you would get from Costco or whatever, or like from your local package. Yeah, not like, it's a, like a bottle delivered in a box to your door. We're talking like like a craft made cocktail. Yeah. Like pre-mixed cocktails. Um, and so our housemate was going over there to pick up some food. And so he, uh, well, he delivered it. The, the restaurant didn't deliver it, but there are companies that do do the cocktail delivery. So that's a long winded way of saying I'm drinking a, in the pines under the palms from true Laurel in SF, which is like a super hot bar. And it's under the palms. So does it have gin in it? It actually has bourbon in it. Bur- oh, 
I was thinking the pines might be gin. No, the pine is the little sprig of actual pine tree that's in it. Can you see? Okay, that's very literal. Yes, I see. So that came in the bottle with it. And, and I thought that was really the cute. Palms, the fact that you live in California. Like, Maybe. So it's just bourbon. I mean, a bourbon cocktail. It's It kind of tastes like a Negroni a little oh, bit. Okay. All right. Like a piney Negroni. Mm, nice. Well, enjoy one for me. I will. Let's jump into the rest of the quick burns. I have been following this. Uh, Rob noted that Worldcon has made the decision to go virtual uh, for the conference that was otherwise scheduled to begin at the very end of July and kind of spread into the very beginning of August. It was going to be in New Zealand. New Zealand just went under quarantine. So uh, Worldcon had had been taking a lot of feedback, was doing really, in my opinion, very good communication about, you know, thinking about this and understanding that people had travel accommodations and mm-hmm. needed to make decisions. And so they they had a se- couple of options on the book. Uh, among them were delaying, uh, of course, also just con- going ahead and planning on like, let's just hope we're able to do it. Yeah. Uh, and the, the, the option they decided to go with is to uh, make it virtual. So they will still have panels. They will still have guest speakers. Uh, all of that stuff, uh, as much as they can, will still happen. And anybody who paid for a membership that would have been an attending membership uh, will get access to see all that stuff live. I think that's the right call. Um, honestly, the delaying it is really hard because you just don't know what's going to happen. And you're making like reservations for things, for spaces. You're still booking travel. If anything changes, even with the delay that messes everything up, I think virtual is the way to go. I think a a lot of conferences are are going that route, um, obviously. So I think that's a smart move for them. It's not ideal, of course, but these are not ideal situations. And given that, I think we all understand, okay, uh, it'll be easier for me to get my flight refunded right now because airlines and, and mm-hmm. hotels uh, are, are being much more understanding than they might be in other situations. Uh, then it would be for me to like just change it, which I'm sure you'd be able to change it too, to another date that then also might get canceled. This just clears it up and everybody kind of knows what's going to happen. And hey. it's just easier to, to, to plan for. I mean, the big reason was not that they were so worried about not being able to have the con in person in July, but more that they wouldn't be able to get the planning done that they would have to be in person to do leading oh, yeah. up to it. Mm-hmm. Um, plus side, we don't have to wait in lines now to get mm-hmm. into rooms. No, you'll be in the queues to enter the video conference. <laughs> the video conference. <laughs> no, probably not. <laughs> That'd be great if you could have unlimited people like watching a, right. an author yeah. reading or something then, like that. But then no one would come to our panels. <laughs> That's true. Well, we'll just hold one real late at night or like have a pajama party in the morning. But pajama all different time party. zones. Sword and fun. laser pajama party? Wouldn't that be That's fun? That's kind of great, crazy. I kind of love that. I've been trying to think of some fun ideas that we can do right now anyway. Though. You have literally the world's pajamas at your fingertips. <laughs> um, I don't think those are essential items. Um, I have flannel. My flannel pajama pants aren't bad, but you wouldn't see those on a conference call. Well, we'd have to find a way to show them off. Okay. I'm not sure about that. Okay. I don't mean like stand up and like <laughs> waggle around in your pajama bottoms. Okay, good. I mean, Thank like, you for clarifying. Like setting like a wide, like, you know, uh, like whatever. Just putting my legs up on the desk. There you go. Super yeah. cash. Super yeah, cash. Totally. totally All right. normal. So good call. Good call by Worldcon. I think it's the right move. 
Uh, but moving on, Rob has another note. The trailer for Jim Butcher's 16th Dresden Files book, Peace Talks, dropped today. Uh, but in bigger news, io9 has announced that not only is Peace Talks coming out this year, but the 17th book called Battleground will be coming out later this year on September 29th. So we get not one, but two Dresden Files books this year. It's a butcher shop. It's a it's a downright it's a carnicería butcher of Jim Butcher novels. Mm. A side of beefy Dresden Files books. Uh, no, this is great. Uh, if you're a Dresden File fan, how could you not be on top of the world about that? I think I should just. Oh, I've said this before. Never mind. Let's say it again. It's worth saying. I should just reread them all at this point. I've mm. I read them, started them so long ago that. I don't remember what happens and I want to be <laughs> yeah. caught up. I kind of want to do that too, actually. I want something fun. You know, I've read them out of order. No. Like I remember you, no, you got very mad at me because I read, I don't remember that which one it right. was anymore, but I read one that I, I had not read the previous several. Yeah. That sounds like me. Yeah, it was. It was you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anne pointed out that Joe Walton uh has written a column over on tour.com about books in which no bad things happen. That sounds like a great thing to read about. Yeah. Um, there, there weren't that many recommendations in the column. It's more about the idea of, it. of it. Uh, she does. She mentions a lot of kids books like Martin Waddell and Barbara Firth's can't you sleep little bear. <laughs> sounds uh, Penny, terrifying. Penny Dale's the elephant tree. Raymond Briggs, the snowman. Um, but uh, when you get down to actual, like, real things, uh, Cotillion is one that she mentions. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just hard because the whole point of a story is that, I mean, there has to be something, some adversity has to be overcome. Right. There has to be some source of, of, of you know... A, a trouble, a problem, something to solve. She mentions Arthur C. Clarke's Fountains of Paradise, Kim Stanley Robinson's Pacific Edge. But um, she says well, that, that one's kind of sad. sad. Yeah. Story is sad. Yeah. Um, Phyllis Ann Carr's Amberly Fair is about a far future where people have evolved to be nicer. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I um I like this idea. I like what Joe Walton wrote about it and and the problems around it. But if you have compelling novels that you are like nothing bad really happens and yet it's still interesting, uh, we'd love to hear your examples. Honestly, I I would just like a thread of like really fun books. Yeah, like, that, like fun if you, romps. If you can't think of one that fits this perf this like very high criteria, just like this one's so fun, you won't even mind the few bad things that happen. Yeah, yeah, I like I like I, I I've been looking for something really fun. I think that's why I want to go back to the Dresden Files mm-hmm, a little bit mm-hmm. just so I can relive those because they are so fun. Terry Pratchett's another one where it's just always fun, even when weird bad things are happening. It's so mm-hmm. much fun you don't you don't care. Well, speaking of fun, hey, mm-hmm. somebody's got a new book out. Mark says that Trigor, Trigger? Trigger, yeah. Trigger by Tom Merritt, part of the Pilot X series, is now out. Yeah. Trigger. Um, I, can't, I can't promise that a print version will get to you before your soup cans <laughs> that you ordered. I think they're, you know, 
They're, they're the lag, the lead times mm-hmm. on deliveries are, are, are kind of out of whack right now. But there's an audiobook by Kevin T. Collins, which is fantastically read. And there is a uh, Kindle version, of course, mm-hmm. as well. Uh, you can get an EPUB for directly from inkshares.com. So, uh, yeah. You can read them out of order too, because time travel—that's amazing, right? You—you can—you can decide how you want to experience the universe. In Trigger, uh, basically, Pilot X and his time ship Verity uh, are recovering from all the horrible things that Pilot X had to do to save the universe the last time, and then Verity, trying to rehabilitate him, uh, tells him that the universe needs to be saved again. So he goes off in search of new planets, new adventures, and uh, a way to save the universe without incurring so much guilt this time. Excellent. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have it out. I hope people enjoy it. When's the next book coming out? Oh, please. Actually, I'm working on uh, several right now. Mm. Don't know when they'll come out, though. Sheila Jean says that Macmillan abandons library ebook embargo. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, so we kind of touched on this on previous Sword and Lasers. Uh, mm-hmm. If you recall, they, uh, Macmillan was putting... Uh, pause on certain new titles saying they wouldn't go into library ebook uh, distribution for a sh- short period of time, hence the embargo, mm-hmm. uh, because they they thought they might be depressing sales because you could get it from the library. And a lot of people were very upset by that. Well, uh, Macmillan, whether it's because of current world conditions or because they had previously said, we'll evaluate this and come to a decision in March. And this is just the decision they would have come to anyway. Uh, Macmillan has said, yep, we're, we're not going to do that embargo anymore. When a book comes out, goes into the system. Uh, same as always. Yeah. Yep. Um, Hey Jim, if you're listening, can you, re- can you replace that initial sound effect I made with bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And if he forgets, then you heard my better version now. Yeah. Listeners. And a little bit of behind the scenes. So what do you think of uh, this decision? It's a good decision, right? Makes books available faster for library patrons. This feels like a setup. How no, should it's, it's not? not? No, it's not. It really okay. isn't. Because yeah. I didn't know what other answer other than, yay, I'm happy. But then Aha! I felt like that. I, oh, it was a trap. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I think everybody wins on this one. I know it's kind of it's it's kind of hard to believe. Like, Really? Uh, that's your decision. Are you going to stick? I guess that's the key. Are you going to stick to it? You're going to change this again in a few months. Yeah. I mean, it's in, in a way it's, it's a very, it's, it's a, it's a good thing to do. Like obviously, but it also feels a little bit like opportunistic. Like they're using this to, to feel, you know, kind of superior, mm-hmm. but the end but result did, is still the same. They did say they would decide in March, long before they knew that March would be the time where this could yeah. look opportunistic. So, yeah. Okay. Well, but would you rather them look opportunistic and do the right thing or not look opportunistic and leave the embargo in place, right? Exactly. Uh, Trike uh, pointed out that there's an article from Publishers Weekly on how to support your independent bookstore, uh, even if it's closed. A lot of bookstores can still do orders. Uh, you can pre-order books through bookstore, independent bookstore websites. Uh, a lot of times you can have them order a book for you and deliver it to your house. They can have it shipped to your house, even though they're doing the order. You're just letting them do that for you so they that you support them. Uh, you can listen to audiobooks through Libro.fm. Uh, files are DRM free and mm. a lot of indie bookstores sell 
audiobooks through Libro.fm on their sites. In fact, there's a lot of independent bookstores sell ebooks on their websites as well. Uh, then there's the things that are kind of true of, of lots of different industries. You could buy a gift card, you could donate uh, to the industry's charitable foundation that is kind of trying to help bookstores in general, the American Booksellers Association. There, there's a lot of good tips in here. Yeah, I know that Borderlands was having a problem because they weren't able to ship books out. Uh, they mm. weren't allowed to from the store. Um, so that's that made things a little bit complicated, obviously. Uh, but there are other ways, of course, you can support Borderlands by becoming a member. Um, but there's, yeah. What were you Why weren't say? they allowed to ship books from the store? I just remember... Um, Alan wrote an email out to all the members and part of the FAQ that he had attached was like, well, can I just order books for by mail? And he was like, no, they won't let us ship them. Hmm. Maybe they're scared. People are going to cough in boxes and then I don't like touch. Things. There must be more to that because it's not yeah. against any of the rules that I know to ship things from your store. In fact, that's the whole idea with restaurant takeout is like, we just right. don't want people gathering in the store. Uh, so maybe there was something where uh, they couldn't have the people come into work to do the fulfillment. That would make sense to me. Maybe. In other words, they mm -hmm. would be allowed to ship the books, but you couldn't have employees come and pack the books to ship because then they would be at work and that would violate. Well, maybe if they're not considered a, an essential business, which is on the but list again, of things. I mean, yeah. they would be allowed to ship things. There's no, I haven't seen anything saying you can't ship anything, but because they're not essential business, they wouldn't be allowed to have the employees come in to make the shipping. Okay. Happen. So here's, here's what he said. He said, are you doing mail orders? Sadly, also no. We were planning on it, but then I found out that two bookstores in the Bay Area had been doing that, one of them in SF, and they were told in no uncertain terms to stop. Granted, I think we could do mail orders without contributing to the spread of the virus, but I also think that is a very that it's very important to adhere to the orders given by the health department and to be seen as doing so. Hence, no mail orders. That still doesn't really clear up the why. But no, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, for whatever reason that is, uh, one of the things that is mentioned in this Publishers Weekly is that you can have the bookstore order the book for you and have it shipped to your house. Um, so in other words, they wouldn't be doing the shipping. They would be contacting the publisher and saying, publisher, email this book for us to this mm -hmm. person's house. Mm -hmm. So they, theoretically, they could do that. Yeah. Well, moving on, the Internet Archive has created a national emergency library of 1.4 million digital books that will suspend the normal wait list for ebook lending until June 30th. Yeah, a lot of you probably didn't even realize you could you could borrow books from the Internet Archive, but you could borrow books from the Internet Archive at archive.org. Uh, and they followed the normal library waitlist policies, uh, but they've been able to get waivers on that so that if you need a book, you get the book. You you don't have to wait in a pretend line uh, mm -hmm. for someone Thank to you. return the ebook. You mm -hmm. you just uh, you just get the book. There's no more wait lists until I think June thirtieth. Is that what you said? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so yeah, thank you to all of uh, our our members and listeners out there who uh, add things to the. Sorry, I got distracted because I was trying to move things around in the lineup. Okay, I got this. Okay, thank you to all the people who submit stories to our quick burns. Um, we appreciate that you always post the best stories out there. But now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. 
Jude Sturman, or at Tekken Tools, wrote on Twitter, spending some time leaving five-star reviews for my favorite podcasts, Twit, AVXL, HDTV Podcast, Daily Tech News Show, and us, Sword Laser! Yay! Thank you, Thank dude. you. I feel like we're a little bit of a, a an odd odd egg out of that list. Well, yeah, other than the Tom connection, I was going to say <laughs> I'm the I'm the bridge between Daily Tech Show and Sword and Laser. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, Genesee says at Sword and Laser, this is unusual time, so I have an unusual ask. Could we, as much as possible, announce book picks two months ahead of time? Mm. Library weights on digital copies are growing with libraries being closed and finances are tight, so folks might not be able to buy books anymore. Um, I think we can figure out a way to make that happen. Uh, Tom and I will have to. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It would, yeah. It would be. Oh, crap. We have to decide ahead of time what that book's going to be. It's usually um, a little hard for us, but, but I think... I, I, but that's not... Genesee, don't take that the wrong way. That's not a we can't or won't do it. It means like, oh, okay, we really have to make that decision. And that decision, we we think about a lot of things when we make decisions like that. So, um, so yeah. But yeah, let's try to... Do, I, I'm, I'm for trying to do that. Okay, then we will we will we'll talk about it after the show and figure out if we can make a way to make that make sense. Um, but I, I totally I said I'm for trying. You're for trying. <laughs> to, He's for trying to do it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, excellent, excellent recommendation though. Zach Sears says at Sword and Laser at Veronica, show us your shelves. Too much frozen too for me. I think um that fits in well with our congratulations to our winners of our Instagram contest. Um, we actually had a show your shelves contest over on Instagram last week, and uh, I didn't actually show my shelves. So I feel like that is a, a fair request from Zach. So- I she tried to show my shelf and then Veronica was like, um, no, we don't really need your picture. I put your picture in the Instagram story. <laughs> it was in the stories. So and that there. was actually just the Lem's library stuff. That yeah. wasn't my shelf. So I could still show my shelves. Also, last week we were like, uh, I guess we should come up with an Instagram account. And Veronica, to her credit, when I say last week, I mean last show. Two weeks uh, ago, yeah. You you not only created the Instagram account on the spot last time, but you had a contest operated on it. Like, that's amazing. Well done. Thank you. Yeah, it was actually really fun. <laughs> I started like thinking of stuff like content that we could post and you know, I've had a little more time at home to think about those things. So it's been it's been a fun thing to think about too. Uh, but congrats to our uh, primary winner, I am Cause, who randomly takes home the top prize. I picked uh, I, I took all the entries and I put them in random.org and I mixed them up three times and then the top list, the top uh, four were the winners. Oh cool. That's and a good so way to do it. Yeah, I am cause uh, won the Harrow the Ninth arc that we were so lovingly sent, um, and then Violet Twilight, uh, Talking Leaves Reader, and Skywalker one one zero six nine were each able to select a book from Lem's library, and all of those have been sent out. So congratulations and thanks for entering the contest. Now, uh, Felipe actually put this on Goodreads, but didn't put a link. Uh, so I, I, I was waiting until I could find the actual um, uh, uh, tweet. But mm-hmm. Taz Muir announced on Twitter that they're delaying the publishing date of Harrow the Ninth from June 2nd to August 4th. <gasps> I wonder why. Uh, because uh, she, she says it's uh, because of the virus. Oh, um, well, I'm done it. It was awesome. 
Uh, yeah. Great book. So well, and and so that was an even better prize than it was when you shipped it. I know, it, what, even, even more valuable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very cool. Um, so yeah, you can follow us over on Instagram at Sword and Laser, just like over on Twitter at Sword and Laser. Make it nice and easy for you. Uh, we'll be doing more contests like that in the future for Exciting. sure. Exciting. Okay. Well, now it is time for our book of the month discussion. Uh, but first, before we jump into our final thoughts on The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley, um, let's talk about the March Madness winner. Yes, the votes are in. Uh, this is How You Lose the Time War by Amal Elmatar and Max Gladstone, a story told through letters. Uh, so it's an epistolary story. Ooh. That, is that right? Oh. Is that how you say that? Oh. Uh, told through letters, what that means. Two agents on the opposite sides of a time war, red and blue. Uh, the two authors collaborated on an outline, but each of them wrote one character's letters. So all the red letters were written by Gladstone, all of Blue's letters written by El Matar, and uh, both characters use the she, her pronouns. Even though one is written by Max, all the characters are she, her. Uh, and uh, the book has already been optioned for television with the scripts to be written by El Matar and Gladstone. Wow, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. It was a finalist for the 2019 Nebula Awards for Best Novella, and the reviews were, were pretty good. Even the folks who didn't love the the book uh, admitted that the story was emotionally strong. That seems to be the one thing that everybody agrees on is this is a, a very well-written emotional story. I have, I, I've started it. I, I started it just because before I even knew it was going to be the pick because I have already read um, the the other novel that was up for grabs uh, for the for the City winner, of Brass. City of Brass, which I loved. Um, so I was like, oh well, I'll just read. You know, even if it's the runner up, I'll still read it because I, you know, I have a little extra time for reading right now. And um, it's super interesting. I think a lot of people are saying that it's very florid. The text is very florid, very it's prose, um, and yeah, it's a different kind of writing style than I think we're used to on, on, on sword and laser. Um, but it's cool. It's, it's, it's really funny. There's a lot of modern references to things. Uh, I, I didn't know that they were switching off authors for each character, red and blue. And now as soon as you said that, I was like, Oh, I know exactly who Max is writing. As. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, I was right. Um, it's, it's, it's cool. It's cool. And I think it'll be good that it's a, it's a quick read too. So it's, it's, it's a fun, fast one. Yeah. And, uh, this, this is a, a laser winning the tournament, uh, which means usually I, I think what we've done when that happens is you then pick the fantasy book for April. Mm, okay. Okay. And then, and then we go back to for a fantasy book in May. No, for May, because I'm picking. Oh, oh, I'm sorry, for May, and then we go yeah. back. We'll have two fantasies in a row because we will have just done two lasers in a row. Essentially, is what I'm trying to say. I see, I see. But mm, okay, so that way we have an even number of swords and lasers for the yeah. year. Whoever, yeah, and whoever wins the tournament uh, among us loses a pick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's no big deal. Yeah, no, I just I seeded my pick. To the audience, that's Gideon the Ninth was very sword and laser to me, so I feel like we're gonna come out even in the end. Exactly, I, the, the whole sword, like you being the sword and me being the laser, has become less and less true over the years. Anyway, right? I know, I know, <laughs> I know. 
All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, our last book pick, which was The um, Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley. And I wanted to read this uh, this note. Well, first of all, I wanted to start with something else, actually, before I get into the actual Goodreads posts. Um, I did not realize that I spoiled something in the last episode. And that was a huge surprise to me. And so I apologize um, because now we're in the spoiler zone. So anything I can say goes. But I did not realize that Dietz's gender was ambiguous until later in the book. And you're sighing, but technically her gender, her pronoun isn't even revealed until much later in the book. The interviews, if you're not listening, to, but I listened to the audiobook and it was it was read by a woman. And so I just assumed the whole time that that's what it was. And plus Cameron Hurley, female author, we had just come off of, you know, female author, female protagonist novel as well. And so my brain was just there anyway. And I, it, I maybe not a huge spoiler. Some people found it to be, you know, kind of an exciting reveal. Um, I just didn't, I didn't even know it was ambiguous at all. So it wasn't a spoiler for you then? If it wasn't a spoiler for if me. If you didn't know it was ambiguous, you weren't spoilering. And I don't think you need to apologize. I, well, I mean... Yeah, I guess. Well, but it was unintentional. I I think it's fair to acknowledge, like, I realized that some of you didn't know this and hadn't got to that point. And me saying it may have felt like a spoiler, but and and explain that because I've seen multiple people say, no, I'm pretty sure it was clear that she was a woman from the beginning. And other people saying, nope, absolutely not. And it wasn't clear. And I wasn't sure. And I was paying attention. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that is a perspective thing. And your perspective is just as valid as somebody else's and you didn't maliciously spoil it. You just didn't know that that was a separate perspective. That's and all. plus if I hadn't, if I was reading the book, but hadn't noticed that the gender was ambiguous, then I probably would have been using, making an assumption about gender in my mind and would have said he or she, mm-hmm. which would have been perceived as a spoiler either way. Yeah, I think it would have been a spoiler if you had knowingly come out and said, hey, I know the gender isn't revealed early on, but she's a lady. Like, that's a spoiler to me. Uh, She's a lady. In passing, using the she pronoun, uh, when you assume that she is a she, I don't I don't think that's a a, I don't think that's anything you need to apologize a lot for. Okay, I think you're fine. Okay, and I feel better. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's all good. This cocktail is messing with my <laughs> talking really patterns good. a little bit. <laughs> wow. You see? suddenly became Scarlett O'Hara. I'm drinking bourbon over here. <laughs> I don't know God what that is was. your witness. You'll never go thirsty again. I don't know what that was. Um, Jan, Jan, Jan. says, <laughs> Jan, Jan, says, hi, everyone. <sighs> what? Jan. What was that? Uh, oh, he probably doesn't like that. I'm sorry, Jan. <laughs> uh, he says, hey, everyone, I've just finished reading The Light Brigade this weekend, and I really like this blending of questions about reality, physics, morality, and philosophy that is brought up throughout the book, but especially regarding the ending. Nevertheless, it's also a bit confusing to me, so I wanted to share my thoughts on what actually happened based on the book and Cameron Cameron Hurley's article, Timeline, or Timeline article. 
I understand that in the end, or more precisely, at the beginning, old Dietz caused the blink and teleported half the city somewhere to the to some future or reality, thereby causing the whole story to begin with and rescue at least some of the people from the apocalypse. Before she could do that, though, old Dietz had to go to St. Petersburg to get captured there and get freed by her younger self in order to remove her younger self's tracker and send her back to her second jump so she gets captured, can join the resistance, help Mars to avoid the corporate attacks, and orchestrate the big six to fight each other instead. So now she can use a tracker to travel through time without a drop and goes to Sao, Sao Paulo, taking half the city into the light. In the end, Earth and Mars will probably die because of the sick, but at least there's a chance the blinked people can begin anew wherever and whenever they drop. Meaning, Dietz had to cause the apocalypse and billions of deaths in order to save some part of humanity from this apocalypse, as paradoxically, otherwise everyone would have died because the blink would still have happened because it was part of Dietz's past and each Light Brigade member creates a different reality or future. Do I understand this right? Yep. Uh, now that's a spoiler. You want an example of a spoiler <laughs> like that? That's a good example. Um, yeah, it, this this is the quintessential element of of a time travel story like this. Uh, mm -hmm. In fact, I was almost disappointed that she brought in the idea that each person creates their own alternative reality because that's an out. Right. That's an mm, out where mm -hmm. you could say like, oh, but in another reality, everybody survives and there isn't the sick. Uh, but but yeah, one of one of the things about time travel and and the way we think it probably could work if it ever would work is that you can't change the past. The idea of changing the past is privileging your present. The past is not the past. The future is not the future. It's all one thing. And it all mm -hmm. happened, quote unquote, uh, from outside of time. And so the idea is that the thing that people get hung up on is, but if she caused the sick before she knew she caused it, how does that happen? Cause and effect or backwards. And it's like, yeah, cause and effect can be backwards. The entire discipline of quantum electrodynamics, uh, hinges on the idea that electrons can go backwards in time to balance an equation. So there's, there's reality to our perception of time's arrow being mm -hmm. backwards, but that's because again, we're privileging our direction in time, right? We're saying, Oh, but we see time this way. So that can't work. Cause and effect are backwards. And when, again, if you're outside of time, doesn't matter. Things just happen. And as long as they happen in the order that balances the equation, everything's fine. And Cameron Hurley balanced the equation. Yeah. And I really, I think it was, it was hard to picture, uh, especially listening, I think, but the, what really helped was this article that, that uh, Jan is mentioning, which is on Cameron Hurley's website, which actually shows the, uh, they call it a, a bipartite, a bipartite graph, bipartite graph. And so it's separated, uh, we'll, we'll put a picture of it in the show notes, um, but there's a chronological flow of time. And then there's two rows and the top row, the B row is all before and between missions. And the second row is the M row, which is on missions. And so you have two, 
timeline rows. And then you can watch, you see the expected flow, the chronological flow starts at B1, then goes down to M1, then goes to B2, and then M2, B3, M3, et cetera. But then when you start to do the jumps, you can actually, by using arrows pointed between the two rows, like see the flow of the jumps between the two um, kind of different paths of the timeline. Right. Because if you look at the at the first graph that she's talking about, B1, M1, B2, mm-hmm. M2, B3, you're like, well, yeah, that makes sense, right? She she went to a place, That's just got time. a mission, yep. went to another place, Jumped, got a yep. mission. But we know that Dietz didn't experience that way. So the second graph is the one that really is helpful where it shows you, oh, she got, uh, she went on this uh, mission uh, and then ended up coming back and getting this third mission after her first one. Then she went to the third mission, but then ended up getting assigned the sixth mission, Mm -hmm, then went back, mm -hmm. you know, and then it's like, oh, okay, I can visualize it. So uh, we won't actually put the picture in the show notes, but we will have a link to this timeline. I can put Uh, the picture in the show notes. Or I guess you could put the picture in the show notes. If I want to. I mean, you can do whatever you want. I don't want to want. (laughs) Um... But yeah, that that was super helpful in, in figuring out things and how they worked. Um, I kind of feel like the picture is best experienced in context of of this whole explanation, too. Okay, then I won't include them in the show notes. <laughs> we'll put the link to the pictures in the show notes. Yeah, well, the, to the whole timeline article, because it's really, really helpful. It's super interesting. Um, Amy has like kind of a rebuttal to this, uh, to that initial post, not really a rebuttal, just like things that she found complexing or interesting, like the example of the ultimate decision to really just save the people she cared about. Like, would there have been a way if you're able to travel back and forth through time to prevent any of this from happening? Um, that kind of leads into the discussion of how things with, uh, how you win the time war were actually works which you will discover mm-hmm. as you in the first few chapters of that story. About Again, like- I, I feel like Amy's got the right idea, but it's not the way it works. You're privileging our perspective again, uh, because yes, Dietz's final decision caused the war, but it's made at a time when the war has already happened. So because it's already happened, there's no decision Dietz can make that will change the past. Because mm-hmm. it's she's already she's already experienced it. We she knows that that that's what's going to happen, uh, and it's it's it, you get into arguments of free will when you start talking about this kind of stuff. Because really, you know, the way it would work in reality is you would think I'm not going to make the decision that starts the war, but you won't be able to do that, and so the situation will conspire against you. Um, I, Stephen King plays with this in 11.2263 where, where, you know, people in yellow coats show up and try to force people to make decisions that preserve the timeline. Uh, but, but it would just be like, you know, an accident would happen and you would, you would end up making a decision that you didn't want to make. I mean, how many times have we said, we're not going to do something. And then we end up doing that thing anyway, because a bunch of other things happened in the intervening time that convinced us to do it. And there's lots of literary examples of that. Cameron Hurley didn't go through that. She didn't have Dietz tr- fight against her destiny. Could have been interesting to see that. And I think Amy's got a really good point there. But it doesn't undermine that, well, maybe there just wasn't anything she could do. 
Yeah, when you put it that way, I guess that makes sense. It's already happened, so it has to happen. In in her privileged version of the timeline, she's already experienced it, so she can't change mm-hmm. it because it's there. Again, outside of time, it's there. Hmm. The war always happened. Mm-hmm. How- also, a lot of psychologists don't believe we have free will, and that's part of yeah. the <laughs> that's part of the argument there. How how did she <laughs> get this ability to be able to jump an entire city? Like, where did that come from? A number of people asked that in the threads, and that was something that kind of bothered me at the time, too, because I guess we we start to get, like, kind of ideas that she can control it a little bit or lengthen it, but it seems to really progress in kind of a very intense way to be able to go from lengthening and becoming conscious of your time when you're in a jump or part of the light versus being able to transport potentially millions of people somewhere with that ability. I mean, we don't, this is one thing that I will say I would have liked from the story is more of how Dietz gets to the ending. We're sort of jumped as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and, and I get why that choice is made. Most of the stories Dietz not knowing what's going on because that keeps us in suspense. We know there's a Dietz that's acting kind of confident and swaggery in prison at the end. And then we know there's a Dietz who's like, I don't understand what's going on and I'm trying to figure it out. Uh, but we never see the evolution of the innocent Dietz into the jaded Dietz from the prison. Right. And I guess in my head, I sort of headcanoned the idea that, well, in all of that stuff that we didn't see, she also kept developing her powers and growing her powers or, or discovering how to do it, I guess is a better way of saying it. Right. Yeah. That, that threw me a little bit found mm-hmm. it, it felt like it happened pretty quickly at the end. Um, but there was a lot of missed time that we had, uh, with that version of the character. Yeah. She was probably in, you know, some kind of uh, shelter in place order and just really worked on it a lot. Oh, so that's, Oh yeah. That's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't have too much to add. I mean, it was, I enjoyed it. I, I, like, I think I mentioned last time, I wasn't trying to like make time to, to read it. Time. Huh? Time. 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 Um, maybe that's cause I already knew I finished it. So I couldn't go back and not yeah, read you it. Yeah, I couldn't change it. You know? Yeah. You already knew. Yeah. Um, it was a little dark, uh, for me, a little darker than I was expecting. Yeah. Um, so that was tough sometimes, I think. It was just the, the a, brutal because it's a horror book, you know. It has light in the name. Why yeah. isn't it lighter? Uh yeah. No, it's it's a war book. I I kind of expected it to be as many people call it, a a riff on Starship Troopers kind mm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah. Felt a little like not in any other way other than the brutality of war, like poppy war. Um, I think mm. for me, similarly. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy it? What did you think? I did. I, 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 I liked it quite a bit. Uh, it was not one that I, you, you know, that I, that I resisted, uh, reading. In fact, I, I was finding time, uh, to listen to it towards the end. I was really fascinated with this. I'm a big fan of a time travel story. So I, I was curious how Cameron Hurley was going to handle all of that stuff. And I have, I have my ideas of what I really like in a time travel story and the things that I will tolerate in a time time travel story and the things that I will not, uh, hmm. she did not do any of the things I will not, and mostly did things that I like. So I'm, perfect. I give it, I give it a good good number of stars. 
Nice. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it for the mystery. I think that was exciting mm-hmm. for me too. Like I always, I do like a, a good mystery portion. Um, huh. Interesting. We had two time travel novels that also had like a, a mystery element to them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's kind of the idea. Time travel. No, I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Gideon wasn't a time travel novel. It wasn't a time travel novel. We, we went from mystery to time travel to time travel. We went mystery to mystery to mystery, to, mystery, mystery time to time travel to time travel. <laughs> yeah. And time travel lends itself to mystery because time travel, you can yeah. hide things. Super, super mysterious. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you everyone for, for reading along with us. Um, excited to, to get going on. This is how we win the time war or how we win the time war. This is how you lose the time war. Yeah. You don't we, win the time war. You're trying to make it light. I'm like, uh, I'm like winning. Everybody win wins. Everybody win. wins. Yeah. <laughs> we could do our own version where you can be uh, blue or red and I'll be the other one and we could win the time war together. It makes me think it keeps making me think about um, Halo, like red yeah. versus blue. Mm-hmm. I assumed that might have been a choice on purpose. That's okay. Kinda, that was a, it's a reference. I yeah. I was thinking it was. <laughs> Nice. And thank you so much to our patrons out there. Uh, Thank you for supporting us. If you want to learn more and help contribute, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Hey, you can be like Jude and leave us a review over on iTunes. It always helps us. Uh, Just search for Sword and Laser. Our email address, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website, swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and on Twitter using at swordandlaser. Our Goodreads is goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 415-7-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Hey, Jude.